Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. But I'm grateful that as long as we are willing, though the flesh is weak, the spirit is willing. And here we are today, and I have a word all week long I just want to share with you, and I've said this last week as well. It's like I have one, one, I'll stand right here. I have one ear on the ground, but one ear listening from heaven. And, and this is the tension as every week passes, right? Sunday's over, but there's another Sunday coming. The countdown starts, and I have to have a sermon ready. And my ear has been on the ground saying, Lord, what are the people going through? What, what do the people need to hear? But then there's the other part that says, but what do you want me to speak? What do you want me to say? And here's the, the, the difficulty or the tension lies in that as I speak with some of you, right? I know some of your situations, but I can't and I don't necessarily want that to influence what I'm going to bring today. Why? Because maybe God wants me to speak regardless of what some of us are going through Maybe some of you need to hear a word that, that will pierce through your situation. That'll kind of just go right through and right over what you're dealing with. And so this is the, the, the tension. You want to be relevant. You want to meet the people where the needs are. But at the same time, sometimes we need a prophetic word from heaven. And I'm not saying I have a prophetic. This is the word, a prophecy. All I've sensed all week is every time I sat down to to start, Priscilla's like, how's your sermon going? It's Wednesday. How's it going? And she keeps me right on track. And I said, like, I'm, I'm, I'm writing notes, but I said, I don't feel like it's a sermon. It's more like I'm studying the Word. And it, I struggled all week just to, to hear this voice. But I'm confident as I stand before you today that, that God has made it clear. And as we get through this message I want to share with you uh, one, one thing that happened this week, but we're going to get to that. I'm going to forget later because of everything else I said, but conference, we have just a few days till the 25th is over of June, and then the conference price jumps up, but then it also becomes available for everyone, Salt and Light Conference. Could we just show the code? We have the slide with the code. Um, I can also tell you it's just Weston Road, all together, one word. Because if you go today, you'll see that um, there's the registration link, but you need the code. So the code is simply Weston Road. You can register adults and children for Salt and Light and Salt and Light Kids. And it's October 25th and 26th. I just need to say that, get it out of the way. Um, but don't miss the deadline. A lot of you I saw this week started to register in droves. So it's awesome. Uh, but after Wednesday, it's going to open up to whomever else wants to attend. So get in while you still can. And uh, we have some incredible speakers lined up for that, some incredible worship, and we're going to make some more announcements in the coming weeks. But I just want to say get ready. So this morning, you say, is Pastor John really tired? Yeah. No, I'm ready to go. This morning, uh, I want to speak to you with a message that I've entitled, Mirror This. Mirror This. My kids... Uh, I think it was about a week or two ago, got new toothbrushes. And for the first time, the toothbrushes have like those suction cups on the bottom. And I thought, why in the world did we buy those kind of toothbrushes? So my 
I don't know which child started it, but, you know, like with toothpaste and water all running down their hands, started going like this on the mirror. And of course, it doesn't stick well, and they're still holding it. That's part of the reason why it doesn't stick well. And they start sliding it, and they're like, oh, this is fun. And so I didn't bother cleaning the mirror for a couple of days, to be honest, until the weekend came. My wife said, oh, could you just take care of that, please? And so that mirror had, like, spots all over it. And it's hard to use a mirror when you see all of those uh, streaks, marks, toothpaste lines, and all the mess that the kids would have made, right? Because you can't necessarily do in the mirror what you want to do. By the way, mirrors never lie, right? Mirrors never lie. And so they are a useful tool, if you will. Uh, for driving, you ha you're supposed to have three mirrors. They're, they're all helpful. You're supposed to use them, by the way. Uh, you know, and there's a little note, objects in mirrors are closer than they appear. So you also have to use the judgment and understand the distance. Everything's proportionate. Also, by the way, if this is for free, not part of my notes, don't drive and look in your rear view mirror for too long. <laughs> Why? Because if you're too focused on the past, you're going to miss what's right in front of you. Or actually, you won't miss it. You'll hit it and you won't be ready for it. Just a little note, you'll have a crash. That one's for free. But mirrors are supposed to be useful, and you're supposed to know how to use them. And a good thing about being bald, by the way, is every time I look in the mirror, I look good. Unless I have, like, spinach stuck in my teeth or something. Every time I, I like, my hair, I wake up, I look like this. Maybe minus the glasses. And Jesus, in John 14, 9, said, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So there's this idea that if I see Jesus, and he was actually speaking to people, obviously, in John 14, but if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because they were saying, show us the Father. How will we ever see the Father? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you know me, you know the Father. If you remain in me, I remain in you. And so this morning, we are called to be mirrors. Mirror this. And the this is what we're going to talk about today. What are we actually mirroring or reflecting? If you have your Bible, would you stand and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18? If you're able this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And we're just going to read one verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. If you're there, say amen. If you're just saying, I'm going to follow on the screen anyways, say amen. Okay, so I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, and this is what it says. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect. Everybody say see and reflect. The glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So we see and reflect. That's the mirror part. And we're made more and more like him. That's the image part. So I am a mirror image of Christ. That's what I'm called to be. I'm called to be a mirror image of Christ. And the question we have, and then we're going to pray, is 
Is that the case in my life? What am I reflecting to this world? Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you for the worship, Lord. Now it's time to get into the word, the sword. And Lord, maybe we can hide from one another, but as your word comes out, like the the sword it is, it cuts through the noise in our life and it gets straight to the core of who we are. So God, I pray that your word would do everything you want it to do in us, Lord. Let it produce right living. Lord, let it produce holiness in us. Lord, let it, uh, Lord, strengthen what we are reflecting to this world. And Father, I thank you that you call us to be the mirror image of Christ, that people would look at us, but they would see Jesus when they look at us. Help that to be so before the time we leave this place. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated today. As we read in the passage, in the one verse, it says, So we, all of us have had the veil removed and can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. What the veil is referencing is the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. The old covenant was a covenant with the law. And you would have to atone for your sins. Uh, you'd have to shed the blood of an animal for, for your sins. The law was really good at only doing one thing, really, telling me how much I missed the mark or how bad I have been. What the law could not do was fix that issue, fix the problem of sin in your life. So under the new covenant, right, when Moses came down with the law, the tablets, his face was glowing and he had to put a veil. And so that's the old covenant. The new covenant, the glory of the Lord is to shine brightly in us. See, what faded off of the face of Moses is called in us only to get stronger and stronger, you see? So the new covenant empowers me to reflect ever so brightly Christ to this world. And so the veil has been removed, and we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, right? We have the Spirit inside of us, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. So, there's, there are some questions today that you'll have to wrestle with, that I have to wrestle with. By the way, I'm never excluded from anything that I speak or preach from this platform. I want you to know that. If I'm going to put it on the people, I have to first put myself under God's word and say, Lord, this is the standard for my life, and help me to model it for your people. And so, if you can't see Christ in me, Find another church or kick me out first. I'm just, I'll be bold enough to say that. If you see, if you don't see Christ in me, please don't find another church. Find another pastor. But my heart and my, where I try to position my heart and myself is before the Lord saying, Lord, I want to know you more. I want to, I want to be more like you in how I treat my wife and how I speak about my kids in what I do in my daily living. People need to see Christ in me, the hope of glory. Because if they don't see Christ, there's no hope. And if they don't see hope, they're going to say, what's the point? What's the point? And so Christ in us is the hope of glory. So how I live matters a lot. So we're going to learn this morning, mirror this. You know, I've, heard, I've seen 
people say, do as I say, not as I do. And, and unfortunately, if you're a Christian, I'll actually say fortunately, if you're a Christian, you can throw that statement out the window. Because it's not going to cut it in eternity. No, it's I have to do it as much as I say it. I have to be able to walk the walk, not just preach it. Do we make mistakes? Do we fail sometimes? Yes. But that's why the mirror is important. Because the mirror never lies. Amen? The mirror never lies. And so we're going to also look at Colossians chapter 3 this morning. And in Colossians chapter 3, that whole chapter is discussing how we live a new life in Christ. You see... If you remember, if there was a specific time when you got saved, you probably remember a before, how life was, and then after, how life has been since Christ. A before Christ and an after Christ. And there was that conversion experience where you said, Jesus, I invite you in. Lord, take, come and be Lord of my life. And in Colossians chapter 3, we're going to see a whole list of things that are not good. Things that are associated with my old life. And you know what those things do? They make me dirty as a mirror. As a mirror, I'm supposed to reflect the light and the glory of God to this world. But if I participate in sin, if I do all of the things that I used to do in my old life before I knew Christ, guess what? The mirror is not going to be clean it's going to look a lot like my bathroom mirror that was dirty. And if you have your Bible, let's turn to Colossians chapter 3 because it outlines for us how we should not live, but I'm glad it doesn't stop there. It also tells us now how we should live, what, what should be the fruit of my life. And so I want to look at Colossians 3 verse 5. And it actually is a series of things that we are to put off. Don't put these things on. Put them off because they're from your former life. And in verse 5, it says this. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing. Everybody say nothing. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. In, in that little phrase, it starts with the physical, external but it ends with what's inside here. Look at it. Sexual immorality. That's an act. That's something I do with my body or possibly with someone else. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Those are the things now that affect my mind and my heart. And we are being instructed to stay away from those kind of things. You might say, yeah, but I don't do bad things. I don't cheat on my partner or my wife or my girlfriend or my fiance. Jesus said, but it, even if you look at someone in that way, you've committed adultery in your heart. So it's important, not just that you act right, but how's your heart? How are your thoughts? Are they filthy? Are they focused and centered on things that are unclean? Pornography, if you want to be more specific. It'll destroy you. I remember hearing about a couple in church that together were watching pornography because they thought this would make our sex life better. And I wasn't the pastor. I just, when I heard that, I thought, this is crazy. This is crazy. And people are deceived 
But, but this is what the devil does. He takes something that God created and something that is good, and he'll twist and turn and pervert it till it becomes something that is gross and dirty that we're like, ah, we've made a mess of it. But God created it. And you know, our young people, we heard from our guest speakers as husband and wife, they did a panel and they talked about relationships. They talked about purity and, and, and holiness and how that can exist in a relationship, a godly relationship, and how important and vital it is. Because God will always, the devil will always try to, to, to remove the legs from that and just make you fall. But it's important and it's not something that's preached enough. Don't just act right. How's your heart? How are your thoughts? Take captive every thought. Some of us, we pray as if it's God's job or God's responsibility to help us. But the word says, you take captive every thought. Just like I said on Father's Day, it's as the, the spiritual leader of my household, I am the one. I'm the gatekeeper. I determine what I allow and permit or what I don't allow. In the same way it is for you and for your life that you have to take captive every thought. And so make sure, if you, if you struggle in this area, I remember one night when I was young, because you know, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I don't struggle with things. I remember one night, I, I actually fell asleep with the word of God on my head. There's a verse that says, wash me with the water of your word. And I, I just had thoughts that were not good. And I just, I fell asleep, you know, because I'm bald. I've been, since 19 years old, I would shave my head. But I fell asleep. The pages actually stuck to my head because of the oils of my skin. But I had the best sleep. I think I woke up at 3 a.m. with the lights on in my room. Uh, but I said, thank you, Lord. Because those, like, everything that was going on in my head, gone. But you have to put yourself under the word of God. And if you struggle in the theater of your mind... Firstly, there might be some things you're looking at that are contributing to that, so stop. But number two, put good things in front of your eyes. Put the Word of God in front of your eyes. If it's a TV or a computer or a, a certain time of day where you're alone and, and these things happen, I want you to know that God has given you the power to overcome, to conquer sin in your life, but you have to be willing to take a stand. God always will provide a way, but are you looking for the way out, the escape? In the moment, take captive every thought and make a decision to honor God and honor your body before the Lord. So this is just the first part. I'm sorry I spent a lot of time, but like I said, one ear to the ground, but one ear to heaven today. And so those are things that start with the external, but we move to here, evil desires, lust. It says, don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Greed, we often associate to money, right? Money is not a bad thing. I want to be very clear. Money is a useful and very helpful tool in our hands. The love of money is, is a sin. When you love money more than God, it's a problem. And so for greedy people, this becomes their, their sole purpose in life, is to, they want more to hold on to. And that the Bible calls idolatry, that they are actually worshiping the things of this world. So money, maybe not even your career, but money could be a God in your life. 
Because of these sins that we've mentioned, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world, but now is the time. Everybody say, now is the time. Not tonight, not tomorrow, not one more week of you just enjoying your guilty pleasures. Now is the time. I want to say one more thing, because the speaker said it this weekend to our young people, and, I, and she was bang on, right on the money with it. She said, there were people, even in the church, she overheard, and she's not from Weston, so don't worry, but I think the same might apply to us. And she said, I heard these people saying, and it's like, yeah, my guilty pleasure is watching, and Orange is the New Black, or fill in any crazy show that is out there. And they were kind of like, but you know, like as if it was funny or cool. And I've never watched that show except for maybe the first five minutes, and Priscilla was with me, and we shut that thing off. Because I said, oh, there's no censorship. There, I don't even want to know what the rest of this pilot episode looks like. And you have to have that guard, that the Holy Spirit, when it prompts, it's for a purpose. The prompt is for a purpose. Someone write that down if you want. The prompt is for a purpose. Not just to be like, ah, oh, I know. But that's why it's my guilty pleasure. And then you watch it anyways. No. If it's ungodly, turn it off. What you allow, guess what? Your children are going to do in excess. I actually heard one pastor say, what you do in moderation, your children will do in excess. So if you're kind of giving in a bit, allowing this kind of stuff to exist in your home, guess what? Your children are probably going to be, you know, 50 times worse than that. And so it's our job to our job. And so you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger. You might be like, but I, I have just three episodes left of, the, of this series and then I'll stop. Now is the time. Now is the time. Now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. By the way, this set of things that we've just read, these are focusing on our inner dealings with people, how we treat others. Am I malicious in the way I speak? Do I use dirty language? You know, I remember when I worked at FedEx, they knew who I was. They knew I was a man of God, or they called me the man of the cloth, but didn't stop them from swearing or telling dirty jokes. And it wasn't just guys to guys. I remember because you don't get to pick who you get to work with down the line as packages come. There was a girl and a guy, and I could not, even with earplugs, we could still talk and hear. And I couldn't believe the conversation that they were having and how dirty and filthy it was. And I just thought, my goodness, I can't wait to get in my truck and drive out of here. Because then I'm alone and I could turn on the worship, uh, not our, uh, music, but just begin to worship. I can just worship God in my truck all day long. But I couldn't believe the language. The Bible also makes mention in Proverbs, put away worldly chatter. Don't talk like your coworkers speak. Don't, don't, don't feel like I got to be like them to fit in or to be a part of the conversation. Be a light wherever you are. These are things that will make your mirror not clean and bright and clear, dirty. There's no difference between you and them if you engage in the same way, if you speak the same way, there has to be a marked difference. 
We are called to be imitators of Christ. We are called to reflect his image to this world. And look what it says. Verse 9, don't lie to each other, for you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. I love the word stripped off because it's kind of like you just, you whip it. You throw it off. You strip it off. You take it off. It holds you down otherwise. But you have to let go and lay it down. You've stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Verse 10. Now we get to the fun part. So all of those things we have to put off and we have to take them off and throw them down. So what do we put on then in its place? If those things make the mirror dirty, what makes the mirror clean? What keeps me clean? What keeps me reflecting the way I'm supposed to reflect Christ? Well, let's look at verse 10. Put on your new nature. And be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. Say, I will become like Christ. The reason why I'm having you say it is because I learned this weekend from our guest speaker. And if you would have studied the brain, you would learn it too. You can rewire your brain. If, if you begin a new pattern or habit, guess what? You begin to retweak and rewire and it will form new pathways I'm not that smart to understand how, but I understand it enough to know that it's true. I'll tell you why. When I started working at a telemarketing gig, yes, I did that too. Hated it. But you know what I loved? Grabbing a white mocha coffee on the way to the office. I thought this was the coolest thing. I like get all caffeinated and sugared up. Man, I would talk like someone actually said, thought I would, they called me ma'am because I would be so hyper and my voice was so high. And I realized, I'm like, this is not even sounding like me. So I had to like bring, bring myself down to reality. But guess what? I did that work for five weeks when I was in Bible school in my summer break. And guess what? I started a new habit and a new pattern. And I would just get off the, the metro system, the subway in Montreal. And there's like all these underground buildings. And I would, my new pathway to the office was by this little Starbucks kiosk. Why? Because I was going to give them $5.25. Every single day for five days a week for five weeks. And I got my nice drink and I would drink it up and be all peppy on the phone and ready to go. And guess what? I started a new pattern that I never had before. And my brain was rewired now that one day I didn't have enough money. Because <laughs> I was a bad telemarketer. You can laugh at me. It's okay. You can laugh at my expense. And I had no money for the drink, and I thought, how am I going to make it through the morning on the phone? Right? I rewired my brain. You can rewire your brain. Don't do the bad things you used to do. Do these new things now. Put on the new nature. Put on the new nature. Look at what it says. And be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. I will become like Christ. I will. And I have to tell myself so I could create in my mind, in my brain, these new habits. It says in verse 11, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric or uncivilized, slave or free. Because Paul's audience was like this. It was varied. It was different. But Christ is all that matters. So there's no differentiation between people groups. One of the questions we had on the weekend in a panel discussion that I was a part of is uh, talk about uh, cultural differences and racism in the church. 
That was a big question to answer. We don't have time to get into it. But you know what I want to say? When you understand the Word of God, we are called to love one another. You know, we say uh, we, there's one Father and we're all sons and daughters. Can we act like it? Can we act then like we're brothers and sisters? If we have the same Father, then we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And then let's enjoy this relationship together. Amen? I couldn't even answer. There's so much more I could say, but I want to stick and get through the message today. But Christ is all that matters. Because when we get that right, then we get this right. This relationship makes sense. And He lives inside of all of us. Verse 12, Since God chose you to be holy people He loves... Here it is. So if we take off all that other stuff, which makes us dirty, how does our mirror stay clean? Here it is. You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, and gentleness, and patience. Oh, yeah, some of the fruit of the Spirit. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. This is what we are called to reflect. This is what we're called to show and to put on. Verse 13 Make allowance for each other's faults. It's okay to make mistakes, guys. It's okay. But maybe if I make a mistake, it's not okay. I'm human too. Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Did you hear that? If someone offends you, I'm going to go put it on Facebook. Some people are like that. But what are we to do? It's an F word. This is the only F word I'll ever say. Forgive. (laughs) Some of you got nervous. (laughs) Forgive. Forgive when someone offends you. Forgive when someone offends you. Remember, if you need a reason why you should do that, remember how much the Lord has forgiven you first. So remember, you're a mirror. If Christ forgives you, you forgive others. The love that you've received, you spread and give to others. The kindness that you've received, you have to refract, reflect, whatever word you want to fill in, and show it in the same way, irregardless of who is in front of you. Love your neighbor as yourself, is what the word says. Verse 14, above all. So all of these things are necessary, vital, and important. But above all, verse 14, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. We want to see unity in the house of God. We need love. We need love in the house. That's the glue. You could do other things. You could, be, uh, you could do all of these things, but without love, it, it doesn't carry the weight. It doesn't bind. There's no unity in the house. Love has to be a, a part of it. You know, if my wife says, hey, can you go down in the basement into the freezer and uh, just look under the first carton that's there, but you'll see under there there's a package of meat. Can you get the meat out and just put it on the counter? And she's just sitting on the couch reclining. This is not a true story. I could do it how I do it matters right version one 
digging through the deep freezer takes a long time, but you find, but it's the wrong package. But anyways, you still go, right? And you, you slap it on the counter, and then I get back to what I was doing. I did it, but with no love. She can then take the meat and cook me the meal. Guess what? With no love, and it won't taste as good. Right? She won't put the spice that I like. It'll be just a little milder, right? But if I do it, hey, babe, no problem. She knows I was busy. She knows I was doing something. But with love, I do the exact same thing. I don't slam it on the counter, but I gently place it down, right? I don't have to say, hey, babe, did you see that? Because I love you. I don't have to say it. The act in and of itself, done in love, with love, right, is enough. Get it? When she's going to make me dinner, you better believe it's going to taste the best that I've ever had in my life. Because of the element of love, it glues us together. In how we deal, in our dealings with one another, that's why it's the glue. And it binds us together. I believe if we want to see and continue to see God move in his house, because it's his desire... We have to stay united. We have to make sure love is the cement, is the glue that keeps us together. Can you say amen? amen? So above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace. And then there's the, and always be thankful. It might not always go your way. Someone might take offense to you, and they won't forgive you, but we still have to honor the word for ourselves, and I'm going to always choose to be thankful in the process and in the midst of all of this. Is it necessarily my duty to go and point them out? But you have an offense against... No. There, there is a way that in the book of Matthew that outlines how we should approach one another in regards to, to conflict and all of those things. But it's important as we understand, God cares about two, two elements of relationship, us with him and us with others. They're very important. That you could say, me and God are good, but ah, everyone else, pff, I could care less. Where is Christ in that? And then some of us were like such, a, were such people pleasers and people people that you forget God in the process. That you actually might even come to church just for the social aspect. And you kind of just mouth the songs and clap when everyone else. But you're just here for the social aspect of being together. Because we know deep down everyone needs community. Everyone, we've been built with this desire to connect. And you could be here connecting with people but not connecting with God. I want to, I want to encourage you, don't come just for the people. That's the blessing of the family of God. But, but make sure that this is good because this relationship will help this relationship. The cross of Jesus fixed our broken relationship because of what sin does. It separates us from God. It fixes this relationship and it fixes this relationship as well. And that's why the cross is vertical and horizontal. We have to make sure. And then verse 16, Colossians 3 says, Let the message about Christ in all of its riches fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. 
And I love how verse 17 wraps it all up. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And whatever you do or say, so in word and in deed, do it as a rep of the Lord Jesus. When I worked at FedEx or McDonald's, I did that too. My wife was way better at McDonald's than I was. She became a swing manager. I lasted one month. And I was like, I'm out of here. I cannot do this. I'm too slow. Was, the orders are too fast. But I remember wearing the cap, wearing the shirt, whether it was McDonald's or FedEx. Right? As Christians, we don't have necessarily a uniform. Other religions might. You can tell by looking. As a Christian, it's harder to tell, to be honest. But people will know by our actions, by the fruit, yes. But follow me for a second. We're called to represent Christ. FedEx said, listen, when you're in public, you're ringing people's doorbells. There's a specific expectation that we have upon you to represent the company and what we believe and what we stand for publicly in front of the people. It's very important. We had something called the Purple Promise at FedEx. I don't even remember everything, but it just meant all of what I just explained. And if you could remember Purple Promise, then you remember how you're supposed to behave in front of people. And so we would have to go, and, and they even said, even if you're on your lunch break for that one hour, the 45 minutes, whatever it looks like, you park your truck at the mall, you go in the food court, you, you're still responsible to the company. Even after work, on your way home, if you're wearing that uniform, you represent the company. I'll never forget, I was on my way to Toronto because I was in Montreal working for FedEx. Fridays I would finish at 1 p.m. and I would drive in my uniform six hours to come and see Priscilla when we were engaged. It's a lot of money, but it was definitely worth it. Every other week I'd come. My dad's like, you're crazy. I'm like, I know. Because she's worth it. But you're like, did something happen to Pastor John? Is he trying to get brownie points? No. I just am expressing my love for my wife at the same time as preaching. So I'm on my way. I'm in my uniform, stopping at like the en route to gas up. I have a Quebec license plate, and I was just tired. I finished working, you know, 4 a.m. till 1 p.m. I'm now driving. And you know how uh, if you're going to go inside to get food, you would normally like park where all the cars are. But I was at the gas part, but they had the gas bar where you could just go in and pay. So I went in and paid for my gas, and I was going to get a pack of gum and, and a drink or something like that. I kid you not, because it took an extra minute, there was a guy who was livid with my decision to go inside to pay. And he saw my license plate was Quebec. His said Ontario, and I was in my FedEx uniform. I had to remember this. And he was giving me a very big mouthful. He was an, an older man, and his wife was right next to him in the front seat. And uh, I was like 24 years old at the time. And just hearing him, like just basically every cuss word you could imagine. And I'm a very calm person. But I started to feel like my blood started to boil. And we were in public. And I was in my uniform. <laughs> and I didn't say much. I just said, thank you very much. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. I love, love it. Thank you. I think I must have responded something like that. And he like, like stormed off to get to another pump. And I just casually got in my car and I drove, drove off. 
And some of you are like, man, Pastor John, he keeps it really cool. You know, thank God for the FedEx uniform or who knows what would have happened. Guess what? Who cares about the uniform? I'm a Christian. Who cares about the uniform I'm wearing and what my company thinks? I care what God thinks. I'm a Christian. Could you imagine if you would... I don't have a fish on my car for a specific reason, but some of you got that. But yes, the hardest part for me is when I'm driving. That's where I go from sanctification to almost crossing the line. That's why I don't put a fish on my car. I don't want people to know I'm a Christian. I'll be worshiping in the car. Someone will cut me off and I'll just... The blood, it doesn't slowly boil. It's like up to here already. But I've learned and I'm chill now. Just put the worship music a little louder and don't look. But, but here's the thing. Who cares what uniform you're wearing? Who cares what the company thinks? I care what God thinks. What does he see when he looks at one of his children? Am I representing him well or am I not? And this is what matters most. Yes, honor your employer. Be the best. I say this a lot. Honor your employer. Wear the uniform proudly and represent the company well. But who cares if you represent them well, but you represent Christ poorly to the world? You see, we can't live in that contradiction. Represent Christ well. Everything else will follow as well. It's important we get it right. Verse 17, And whatever you do or say, do it as a rep of the Lord Jesus, as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. Whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me, He says. So either you reflect Christ, or here's the hard question, then if not, what are you reflecting? If you're not reflecting Christ, what are you reflecting? Because you are a mirror. You are a mirror. What's in will come out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So what's inside will show eventually. If it's bad, guess what? Bad things will start coming out. Things that you allowed to fester here and here, now you see people acting out. That's why I truly personally believe an affair, it's not usually, a, oh, it just happened. It starts in the heart. It starts with... The, the heart and the mind, and it gets to the point where you've dwelt so much on these feelings that it just has to be expressed. It has to come out. And that's why you have to first deal with what's going on here. Let God deal with you. If you're not reflecting Christ, what then are you reflecting to the world? It's a real question you have to deal with. When we talk about Jesus, do we know what Jesus was like? Do we know what he, what he did on earth? Do we understand the kind of person, the qualities, the characteristics that he displayed? Are we like him? I just want to read as we wrap up. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 to 25. This is just in a nutshell, if you want to kind of get a glimpse of, of what kind of person Jesus was in public. By the way, public is not only where it counts. You know where it matters most? In private. Who you are really is who you are when no one is around. I'm telling you. Who you are really is who you are when no one's around. Some of you could do the public super well. But privately, you know you're a mess. I want you to know Jesus sees, but he's here. 
He's here to help you and he wants to help you. He wants to fix the private life so that in public you're not a double person. You are who you are, private or public. So who was Jesus in a nutshell? Matthew 4, 23. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. He healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria. And people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, from the east of the Jordan River. Here's what I want to say. This really didn't touch upon Jesus' private life. Just give you a glimpse of the public life. But the reality is, to be able to do what Jesus did in public, you better believe he had a private prayer life with the Father. As you read through the Gospels, you understand that if you're going to be with the crowd and have influence, you have to withdraw and be able to get in your prayer closet and be alone with the Father. Even Jesus had to pray. He had to withdraw himself to recharge. Though he was fully man, fully God, he was fully man. And in his earthly ministry, I'm convinced that he relied on the power of the Holy Spirit for his ministry, just like you and just like me. So Jesus had to withdraw, had to spend time with the Father, had to hear from heaven. And then he went about his day and was able to give and to give and to give and to give. Why? Because his private life was intact and it was solid. It was solid in who God the Father was in his life. And he was able to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Guess what? When people look at you, will they see Christ? That's the question. Do people see Jesus when they see Mike? When they see Bill? Do people see Jesus when they see Carlos? When they see Stephanie and Nadia? I'm not picking on it. I'm just looking at some faces and hope, hopefully I have some names of people that are here. Do people see Jesus when they see you? You know, I, I highly doubt that everyone in this world will have a Bible. I don't know. Maybe they might have one, but they, they don't know it. They might not even open it. You're like, well, everyone can have access. We have the Bible app on, on our smartphones. True. But people that don't know God, maybe they were never raised in church. It's, it's not an in, innate thing unless really the Holy Spirit does a work. You might be the only Jesus that they ever see or read about or hear about. Are you reflecting who Jesus is in, in the totality of who he is? It's a hard question, but I have good news for you. You can leave here today. Maybe your mirror was dirty. Maybe it was like, I've never had a really, really dirty mirror, so I don't know how else except some good Windex and you can wipe it clean. But Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood, and his blood washes our sins away, the Bible says. The mirror is not dirty because the, the work of the cross is a finished work. It's done. 
But you have to put off that lifestyle, put off the old you, and put on everything that we read in the second part of Colossians chapter 3. I want to close with Romans 8.29. It says, For he knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his Son. So part of God's plan, this is in the Passion Translation, part of God's plan for you and for me as believers was that we would bear and be in this likeness of His Son. This means the Son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like Him. Are we becoming more and more like Jesus? You have to spend time with Him. You spend time with His Word. To be more like Him, you have to know Him. I want to share with you just three simple things as we close that your mirror has to be. Number one, your mirror has to be clean. Your mirror has to be clean or else it's not a good mirror. It has to be clean. Number two, close. The mirror has to be close enough to the object you are reflecting. You know, if, you want, if I would stand really far back from the mirror, I would look really small. But you want to be so close to Jesus, because we're the mirror, right? We want to be so close to Jesus that you can see the full perspective when people look at me, they see clearly. Not, yeah, I could kind of make it out in that mirror down, 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 down there. No, close. You need to be close. And then thirdly, the mirror has to be reflecting Christ. I have to actually make that distinction because if we're not careful, we will show and reflect so many other things in this world that are temporal, that won't last. But if we are to be mirrors, which we are, we have to reflect Christ. We have to make sure we are reflecting Christ. People will look. And again, what do we say at the very beginning? Mirrors don't lie. So you could fool yourself. You could look in the mirror and, and, and try to look the part. But when people look in the mirror, they will either see them or they're going to see Jesus. So let's see Jesus. Amen. Would you stand to your feet as we close? I'm going to ask if, Catherine, you could come back to the piano just for a moment. And as she comes, I want to share this dream I had. And I don't normally have dreams that are vivid or that, are, are like that really impact me after I wake up. But Thursday, when I woke up, I don't know if it was Friday morning, Thursday night, but... I told Priscilla, and I kept reminding her from Thursday all the way until last night. I was like, you remember the dream? She's like, yeah, I remember. And in my dream, I was standing and I was preaching. But I do that all the time, so that's not, or that's not out of the ordinary. But there was something different on the inside of me. It was like some, you know, when you turn on the propane tank and then you light the barbecue and it's like, <laughs> right? That's how it felt on the inside in my dream. And when I was preaching, I was preaching hard. And I'm a pretty, I get excited, but I don't shout, I don't yell. But I was preaching. And when I gave the altar call, I don't remember what the altar call was. It was a room filled with younger people, young adult age perhaps. 
but it was more the response of the preaching that really stuck with me. The fire I felt, but then the response. And I saw every hand go up. Every hand, and the room was all white. It was all white. There were fold up chairs, all white. And I was just like, the picture of that was so beautiful to me. And I said, all week I've been, since Thursday till now, I was just saying, God, what does this mean? Does it mean that this is what we're going to see begin to be a regular occurrence in our church? And I just felt God say, when you have a fire on the inside of you, the results are going to flow. The results are going to happen. And it's not just a vision for my life. Because we are all called to be ministers of the gospel. Church, I want you to hear this. That we are all called to preach. We are all called to share this good news with the world. Now it's important that you have the fire inside of you. It's important. As you are the mirror of God, reflecting Christ, let the fire burn bright. It, it attracts attention. And so as we close today, I'm, I'm not going to try to recreate what I saw in my dream. But what I have to make sure is, do I have the fire of God burning on the inside of me? And I'm just going to simply ask you to ask yourself that question. Do you have the fire of God burning on the inside of you? And what I will do is I want to pray for you today. That if, it, if there's no fire, there's no flame, that He would light the fire. And maybe it once burned, but it's, been, it's grown dim, that He would light the fire again in the name of Jesus, that we would burn bright for Him, that the world would see. Can you say amen? I'm going to ask if you would put your hands to heaven as we pray. It's a sign of surrender, but it's also a sign of I'm ready to receive today. We're ready to receive in the name of Jesus. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today, Lord, that you call us not to a casual Christian life, but God, you've called us to be hot or cold, and I would rather be hot, on fire for you, on fire for the things of God. And today, Lord, I thank you that you've put a fire inside of me, and I'm fanning the flame today. Fan into flame the gift of God. And today, Lord, as we stand with our hands to the heaven, there might be people here who are tired. There might be people here who their mirror is dirty. And Father, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus and he washes us with his blood. Every sin, Lord, the guilt and the shame is gone in Jesus' name. The Bible says, confess your sins to God and he is faithful and just to forgive you and he'll remove your sins as far as the east is from the west. So in the name of Jesus, Father, we confess sin now. Lord, make us clean, I pray. We put off the old desires. Lord, we put an end. Today is the day, not tomorrow. Today is the day. And Father, I thank you that you've given us so much to put on, so much to reflect and to model for this world. Oh, that we would be like Jesus. Father, I thank you that you're here to light a fire inside of us, a fire that no devil can quench in the name of Jesus, because it's a, an eternal flame that burns brighter and brighter and brighter. So Father, I thank you. And maybe there are people here that that flame has died out. God, I pray that you would light the fire again by the power of your Holy Spirit, that God, you would take us to new heights, to new levels. 
And Father, I understand as well, we can't put new oil and new wine in old wineskins. So Father, I pray that we would prepare for what you have in front of us and in store for us. In new wineskins, Lord, we receive new wine. Lord, a new anointing to be the people of God that you're calling us to be. Lord, I pray for a fresh baptism of holiness among your people that we would talk like you, that we would walk like you, and that when the world looks like looks at us, they see Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you've not called us just to be a social club. But Lord, you said, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. So God, as we step out of this place today, I thank you. I thank you that you've given us everything we need to be light to this world. God, may we shine. May we reflect Christ appropriately. May we be your representative to the least likely people, but even, Lord, to the people of influence in our city, in our workplace. Lord, you're no respecter of persons. So whoever we are around, whether they are people of important, influential people, affluent people, well-to-do people, or to the least of these, the poor, the broken, the needy, the homeless. Lord, I pray that just like Jesus had compassion on all of them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. God, would you burden our hearts. This fire is there for this one reason, that we would go and make disciples. Help us to do that, I pray. And God, we will give you all the glory because it's not of us, but it's unto your name, the glory. And so, Lord, we give you thanks today as we go. Lord, I thank you that in Jesus we have all that we need. We have all that we need. Bless our young people as they come home. God, may they come home filled up on fire for you, Lord, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray as they would go to school and finish their exams, some of them, God, that They would go to do what they have to do, but God, they're on an assignment as well. And as we go to work, Lord, I I know the service is over, but church, we, we never stop. This is who we are. It's what we do. And so God, as we go, would you just bless the week that's in front of us? Lord, I, I just pray that you would use us however you see fit for your glory always. Lord, bless the coffee that we'll have with the, the the newer people to our church. I thank you for what you're doing at this house. Lord, I thank you for the people that have have come, Lord, in numbers. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to give us the strategy of heaven to win the lost. But Lord, we can't do it just with strategy, but we need the anointing, we need the love, we need the passion. And so, Lord, give it to us, I pray, in full measure. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Let this fire burn brighter and brighter with each passing day. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. And the church says, Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.